our Heavenly Father, we have come before your presence this morning. Lord, all that we plead with you is that you help us to trust and obey you. Lord, as you send forth your word this morning, Lord, all that is required of us is to trust in your word and to be obedient to your word so that it will go away with us. Whatever the enemy will use to take your word away from us, Lord, we cancel them in Jesus' name. Every spirit that is not of you, Lord, we disperse in Jesus' name. Let the fullness of your power rest upon us. May you grant us grace to be obedient to your word. In Jesus' name we are prayed. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. I want to say good morning to everybody and welcome to church. The Lord has been merciful unto us and that's why he keeps gathering us from time to time to remind us of the things that will help us to make his kingdom at the end of the day. So may God help us this morning as we listen to his word in Jesus' name. Our topic this morning says, Beware, Satan must rest as an angel of light. Beware, Satan must rest as an angel of light. When you hear the word, beware, what comes to your mind? There is danger. When you hear what? Beware. Means there is trouble. So we need to be careful to avoid the trouble. And that's what God is saying this morning. He said we should what? Beware. We should care this morning. Praise the Lord. And when we hear the word, masquerade, what comes to our mind? What does it mean? Somebody say he's a mom. <laughs> yes, it is a mom. That if we go be behind that mom, we see a different thing. Is it not true? Mm-hmm. So that's what it means to masquerade. When you cover something. So that it, it will appear as another thing. So that's what it means. So God is warning us this morning to beware. Because somebody is doing mom. Praise the Lord. Is it not true? That's the summary of the message. God is warning us to be what? To be wake. Because somebody is doing what? Praise the Lord. So I think we have understood it. So it makes my work easier this morning. So I don't even see the need to start going through the definitions again. Since we have understood the, the definition. So when we say beware, it means... Be cautious and alert to risk or dangers. And uh, what it means when you tell somebody to beware of somebody, it means you are telling the person to beware of that person because that person can do him or her harm. Praise the Lord. And as we have said, to masquerade as someone or something means to pretend to be that person or thing, particularly in order to deceive other people. Or to mislead them. So why Satan masquerades is to, to do what? To mislead people. And who are those that Satan is masquerading to mislead? 
the children of God. Satan is not masquerading to deceive those who are unbelievers. He's masquerading to deceive those who are what? Children of God. If we open our Bibles to John chapter 10, let's read what Jesus said there. John chapter 10, we'll read from verse 1 to 5. John chapter 10. He said, Most assuredly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs up some other way, the same is a thief and a robber. Verse 2. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. Verse 3. To him the doorkeeper opens, and the sheep hears his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name, and leads them out. Verse 4. And when he brings out his own sheep, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. Verse 5. Yet they will by no means follow a stranger, but will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. Praise the Lord. That verse 5 says, Yet they will by no means follow a stranger, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. This is the reason why Satan does what? Masquerade. Because if he comes as Satan, for whom he is, the children of God will do what? We flee from him. Nobody will listen to him. Nobody will pay attention to him. Nobody will regard him for anything. And at the end of the day, he will lose. So he learned that he shouldn't appear as Satan. If we remember the story of Eve in Genesis chapter 3, how he came to deceive and to achieve his purpose. He didn't come as an enemy. He came as a friend. He came as somebody that was consigned. Uh, did God, after creating all these good things, said you should not touch any of them? Is that not wickedness? You as a parent, you have food in your house. You have all manner of things that your children can eat. And you warn them that they should not touch anyone. That was the picture Satan presented to Eve. Did God say you should not eat of any fruit of the trees of the garden? And she started reporting what God said. And that was how it happened. So Satan does not come as somebody who meant evil. He comes as somebody who meant well or good for us. So that's what we are looking at this morning. How does it affect us? Because we are talking about Satan, we are talking about masquerading, and we are talking about beware. How does it affect us? It affects us because today we are the sheep that Jesus described in John chapter 10, that he has his sheep, and that there is a door that barricades where he keeps them. And that Jesus is the door. If you read verse 7, it says, Then Jesus said to them again, Most assuredly I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. So the contention is the sheep. Enemy wants to have access to the sheep that belongs to God. 
enemy wants to have access to the children of God, those who have overcome sin, those who have said no to the life of righteousness, who have said no to ungodliness, who have surrendered their lives to Jesus, and they are headed to heaven. And you know where Satan is headed. And he's not happy. And he wants to truncate the program of God. He wants to take as many people as possible. He wants those who have been saved to be brought back to where they left. And that's why he's making all this effort. And there is no way Satan can have access to children of God through Jesus. It's not possible. And what does he do? He climbs through other ways. Let's look at verse 1 again. He says, Most assuredly I say to you, he who does not enter the sheep food by the door, but climbs up some other way, the same is a thief and a robber. And that is what we are seeing today. And that is the trade, stock and trade of false teachers, false prophets, those whom are eager to destroy the flock of God. And let me remind us, when we are talking about those who want to um, destroy the flock of God, they are not strangers. They are not people who have strange faces. They are not people who don't believe in God. They are people who believe in God. So they are amongst us. They are within us. But the devil does what? He uses them. And who does he use? Anyone that makes himself available. Just as Judas made himself available to be used of the devil to betray Jesus. So, even though we are in church, even though we are Christians, it is the same Christians that God, that Satan uses to do what? To bring down people of God. It is the same Christians that, or those who are in church, that Satan uses to do what? To spread false messages and false doctrine. To cause confusion in the kingdom of God and uh, in the household of God. So it is not strangers. It is those who claim that they belong to Jesus. Praise the Lord. And if we read where we used as a epistle, in Second Corinthians chapter 11, from verse 13, it says there, For such are false apostles. Okay, let me start from verse 12. But what I do, I will also continue to do, that I may cut off the opportunity from those who desire an opportunity to be regarded just as we are, in the things of which they boast. For such are the false apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into apostles of Christ. And no wonder, for Satan himself transforms himself into an angel of light. Therefore, it is no great thing for his ministers also. For his ministers, for Verse 15. Therefore, it is no great thing if his ministers also transform themselves into ministers of righteousness, whose end will be according to their works. So these people, they don't come as those who are opposing the word of God. If you look at what Paul was saying here, 
he went to preach the gospel at Corinth and he established a church there. But the report he was getting was not encouraging at all. Other people came after him and they were preaching a different thing. They were preaching that it is not enough for you to just confess your sins and God will forgive you and you become a child of God and you are saved from sin and you are going to heaven. That there are other things you need to do. Some were preaching that you need to be circumcised. Some are preaching that you equally need to obey the Ten Commandments, the laws, and the many other things that we are preaching. And Paul said, no, this is not the truth. This is not the truth. So, the false apostles transform themselves. They pretend to be children of God. They carry the Bible in order to do what they want to do. But the truth is that they are not representing God. They are not preaching with the aim of transforming lives of men and women. They are not preaching because they want people to live righteously. They are not preaching because they want the power of God to be made manifest. They are preaching for some other reasons. And those reasons we will look at why they are preaching. If we look at 2 Corinthians chapter 2, 2 Corinthians chapter 11, from verse, two to verse 3 to verse 6, it says there, But I fear, lest somehow, as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, so your mind may be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. For if he who comes preaches another Jesus, whom we have not preached, or if you receive a different spirit which you have not received, or a different gospel which you have not accepted, you may well put up with them. For I consider that I am not at all inferior to the most eminent apostles, even though I am untrained in speech, yet I am not in knowledge, but we have been thoroughly manifested among you in all things. Praise the Lord. So Paul was here expressing his disconcern and fear that the Corinthian Christians who have sincere faith in Christ may be misled and deceived by false teachers whose intention is to take advantage of them that's one stock in trade of false teachers. They want to take advantage of the flock. The same way Satan took advantage of Eve. How do we identify these false teachers and false prophets? What are the things that when we see, it is a sign that this person might not be real. Even though this person is calling the name of Jesus, even though this person is preaching in the name of Jesus, even though this person is in the church, this person might not have anything to do with God. Let us read Second Timothy 4, 9 and 10. Here Paul was talking about Demas. If you read in Colossians chapter 4 verse 14, Paul recommended Demas as one of his co-workers. But by the time we get to 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 9, 
the testimony of Paul concerning Demas was that he had done what? Deserted him. And it wasn't just that he deserted. He said because he has loved this uh, present world. Probably because by the time Paul was writing, Paul was in prison. Probably he was thinking, is this how my life will end? Is this what I came to achieve? I came here to make name or maybe to make money or to make fame. But the way this thing is looking, this man is going nowhere. I better do what? Find my way. So, first just want what? Freedom. They want to be on their own. They, want, they don't want anybody to control them. They don't want to understudy anybody. They don't want to be too taught by anybody. They want to be on their own and do whatever they want to do. After all, there is freedom in Christ. Is it not true? When we are in Christ, we are free. You know, when, whatever you want to do as a, as a Christian, you can find a Bible passage to do what? To support it. So, Demas had to leave. There are other things he wanted to achieve. And he felt that he can't achieve them under Paul. The second thing that we can use to identify false teachers is that they are eager to get rich. They are eager to do what? To get rich. They want to make it fast. Especially in this uh, present age, people want to make it. Everybody wants to be rich. Everybody, Cholibos. And the, if we look at 1 Timothy chapter 6, from verse 6 to verse 10, if we read there, we see what happens to people who want to get rich. The Bible said that they make shipwreck of what? Of their faith. They make shipwreck of their faith. Anybody that wants to get rich as a child of God, because I'm preaching, I want to get rich. I want my congregation, if they are 20 today, by next year they are 2,000. I want to do this, I want to do that, I want to achieve this. This man of God is using private jet. My target is that in the next two years I will be using private jet. I want to be riding jeep. I want to be a big man of God. I want to build a big cathedral, a big house, a big mansion. If that is somebody's intention, then the person will definitely become a false prophet and false teacher. Because that's the only way, through manipulation, through deceit, through telling lies, that you can become rich. Another example is Gehazi. In Second Kings chapter 5, if we read from verse 20 to verse 27, but we'll just take two verses there. We'll read verse 20. In verse 20 of 2 Kings chapter 5, it said, But Gehazi, the servant of Elisha, the man of God, said, Look, my master has spared Naaman, this Syrian. Why not receiving from his hand what he brought? But as the Lord lives, I will run after him and take something from him. Praise the Lord. You see, my master has spared this man. That's the language of those who want to get rich. Spared. If we know the story of um, Naaman and Elisha, we discover that after uh, Naaman was healed of his leprosy, that he came back with a lot of gifts for the man of God. 
And Elisha did what? He rejected. He said, as the Lord lives, I will not receive anything from you. And because of what Elisha did, Naaman now considered committing his faith to the God of Israel. Do you know that? It was because Elisha rejected his gift. Had it been Elijah accept, Elisha accepted his gift, he would have gone a happy man after all. You hid me and I did what? I paid you. He, he was not owing anybody anything. But because of that singular act of Elisha understanding that this man's soul is important to the kingdom of God. There is not this gift that mattered now. What mattered to God now is what? The soul of this man. And he said, I will not receive. And because of that, that man committed. And even requested, he said, let me pack sand. You know, they, then they, they make sacrifice and you have to build an altar in order to make sacrifice. So he felt that if I collect sand from Israel, at least if I use it to build an altar where I worship God, it will be acceptable to God. And Elisha asked him to do so. But Gehazi was seeing something different. Probably they, he has stayed, they had lack, you know, sometimes they will not have food to eat and whatever. And even so the sons of prophets will say, there is no food. Some people visited, there is no food. There was always lack. And this one golden opportunity came for them to make it in ministry. Praise the Lord. And Elisha rejected it. He said, no. This man, I don't understand him. Does he want to remain uh, uh, poor forever? I reject poverty. Me, I know go suffer. Hmm? And he was eager to do what? To become rich. We have to be careful. So when we see people who are eager to become rich, who are always talking about money, preaching money, money, everything is money. Everything is bring this, bring that. Everything is so seed. Let us be wary. Bible says, beware. There are the things that when we start seeing, when somebody is sincerely preaching to you to repent, or when somebody has a concern for people or for a flock, as we have been hearing since January, that we are the light of the world. Wherever we are found, in our schools, in offices, in our classroom, in our offices, in, in our business places where we live, that we are the light that is shining. What attitude do we display before people? Do we behave like uh, greedy people who wants to be rich when we are transacting with people? Is it all about money? All about money? What we are going to get? Is that what is up, uppermost in our mind? Do we care about the souls of men as God cares about souls of men? That was what Elisha did here. Elisha, to Elisha, the soul of Naaman was more important to him than what he was going to get. And that was why he said in verse 26, he said, Then he, that's Elisha, said to him, that's to Gehazi, Did not my heart go with you when the man turned back from his chariot to meet you? Is it time to receive money and receive clothing? So we have to be careful. So when we see all these things, so that we don't think or pretend that we are um, children of God, that we are apostles of righteousness, that we are teachers of uh, righteousness, meanwhile, by our attitude, 
and by the things we do, we actually false teachers. May God help us in Jesus' name. The next thing that when we see, we should be wary of the people around us or those who are preaching around us, is that they are full of controversies. They are boastful. They are pride. They want to expand a lot of philosophies. And they are full of manipulations. If we read Second Peter chapter 2 from verse 1 to 22, or we read Second Timothy chapter 2 from verse 16 to 18, we see a lot of things that when people, our character, our trait that when people are displaying, we know that these are false teachers. And we see all these things all over. Those who claim they are preaching, or that they, they are men of God, or they are children of God, but their intention is to take advantage of people, to manipulate people in the name of uh, God, in the name of praying for them. People say long prayers, prayers that are not necessary, prayers that are not coming from their hearts, prayers that are not sincere, because they want to do what? They want to get something from you. They give a lot of prophecies. And their intention is to make merchandise of you. Verse 18 of Second Peter chapter 2 says, For their mouth empty boastful words, and by appealing to the lustful desire of the sinful human nature, they entice people who are just escaping from those who live in error. They use appealing and enticing word. And they know the things that you need. And they talk about them. If somebody has financial constraint, they will come in that what? Direction. They will tell you how tomorrow suddenly you will get an alert. And it has become popular. I don't know, I don't know that people now get alert carelessly. So people, money starts flying around. They will tell you you receive this, you get this. They will tell you that you get money. Meanwhile, they have not inquired if the person is doing any legitimate uh, work or duty. And they encourage people who engage in unrighteousness. All that they want is how they will make money. And by doing all this, those who are making up their minds or have made up their mind to live unrighteousness and ungodliness, they are lured back. And they think that all, ma- all that matters is what you are able to get. Praise the Lord. So when we see this kind of things, it shows us that these people are not genuine. And where we read in the gospel, in um, Matthew chapter 7, it talks about that we shall know them by their fruits. That's another way. We shall know them by what? By their fruit. False teachers, false apostles, those who want to manipulate people. We know them by the way they live, by the things they value, by the things that are, they prioritize. When they start priori- people start prioritizing fashion, what they wear, when people start prioritizing what they eat, when people start prioritizing the, the kind of people they, they associate with, and they look down on some other people. You better look at those people very well. 
in the name of preaching the gospel. So may God help us so that we are able to identify false teachers and false prophets and escape from their traps in Jesus name. So how do we escape from them? We'll quickly look at that as we summarize. In Hebrews chapter 12 verse 7, God warned his children about discipline. God warned his children about discipline. Most times, we don't want to submit ourselves to God's discipline. We want to live our lives anyhow. We want to be answerable to nobody. And that's why people are opening, people are having different ministries. Because they don't want to submit themselves. Once you have, you, you feel you have one gift, or you manifest one gift, then it is time to open your own ministry. Once you pray for somebody and the person is healed, then it means that you have become a big man of God and you cannot be under anybody again. We must submit ourselves to God's discipline. Because the Bible said in that place in Hebrews chapter 12 that any child or any son that is not disciplined is what? An illegitimate child. And he said that nobody enjoys discipline when it is going on. But at the end of the day, it works out what? Righteousness. And what God wants to bring out from us is what? Righteousness. The life of Christ. The life of righteousness. The life of godliness. The life of holiness. The life that is acceptable to him. So what does he do? He passes us through his own discipline. He passes us through his own discipline. In verse 11 he said, Now, no chastening seems to be joyful for the present, but painful. Nevertheless, afterwards, it yields the acceptable fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. God wants to train us. God does not just want to give birth to us as his children and allow us to just become to grow just anyhow. He wants us to be disciplined. There are things he wants us to do and there are things he does not want us to do. So we must submit ourselves to life of discipline so that we will be acceptable to God as we minister. So that he will open, as we read in uh, John chapter 10, he will open the gate of the, the ship for us to have access. And that's the only way when we minister to people, they will do what? They will accept the gospel. It's not us that they are accepting. They are accepting what is in us. And God looks at what is in our heart. What is the motive behind our preaching? What is the motive behind my living? What is the motive behind drawing close to somebody that I want to accept Christ? What is the motive behind ministering to people? What is the motive behind it? That is what God looks at. And when he sees that we are sincere, that we genuinely care about people's welfare, about people's well-being, about people's eternity and eternal destination, when God sees that, he does what? He opens people's heart unto us. But what happens to a false prophet? Because he knows that he's not genuine and that God is not going to open the heart of people. What does he do? 
he starts manipulation. And that's why he will start climbing through another means. And God says he's a what? He's a thief and a robber. May we not be found as thieves and robbers in Jesus' name. We are looking at how to escape false teachers and false prophets by being contented. Contentment. Bible said in First uh, Timothy chapter six verse six, say, "Godliness with contentment is what great gain." And Paul says in Philippians chapter four verse nineteen, he said, "My God will supply all my needs according to His riches uh, in glory through Christ Jesus." When we sincerely serve God, when we sincerely commit ourselves to doing the work of God, God will do what surely meet our needs. Praise the Lord. God will do what? Surely meet our needs. But when we serve God and we are doubting whether God is able to meet our needs, it means that we don't even have faith in God. We don't trust God. And that is what will lead us to do what? To start looking for other ways of meeting our needs. And we open ourselves up to false teachers. Those who will bend the gospel. And when they, it is bent, it looks more attractive. Praise the Lord. Is it not true? When the word of God is bent, it looks more attractive. Is it not? Uh-huh. Because when it is bent, it accommodates some compromise. When it is bent, it accommodates some unrighteousness. When it is bent, it accommodates some ungodliness. And it is appealing. And that is the, the, the opportunity that false teachers exploit. But let us remember, according to Luke chapter 12, verse 15, he said, And he said to them, Take heed and beware of covetousness, for a man's life does not depend in the abundance of the things he possesses. You can possess all things, but are you thinking about eternity? Are you thinking about the fact that Jesus is coming? What if you gain all those things and you lose your life? What can you give in exchange for your life. So let us stop opening ourselves to the manipulation of those who are false teachers. Another thing we need to do is we need to study the word of God because it's when we are not knowledgeable in the word of God that people can manipulate us. That people can bend the word of God and it still looks acceptable to us. In 2 Timothy chapter 2 verse 15, it says, Study to show yourself approved unto God. A workman that needs not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. I thank God that this year, many of us have been able to go through the Bible. Many of us are still going. Many of us didn't join. But it is a step in the right direction to help us to be knowledgeable, to know the word of God. So that we don't start running around when people use big words, some big sounding words to confuse us and to manipulate us and to tell us that's what the word of God says. We, when we don't study the word of God, we expose ourselves to danger. So in order to escape the wise of the enemy, we need to study the word of God. We need to emulate the Belial Christians that we see in Acts chapter 17. Verse 11. Bible says that they will come, they will sit down, they will listen to Paul, and after they will get home and open their Bibles. And they will study to find out 
if those things that Paul said we are the truth, that's what we ought to do. When we know the word of God, when we have the word of God, Psalm 119 verse 11 says, Your word have I hidden in my heart, so that I will not sin against you. Another thing is that we should have, or we should have descending spirit. We should have descending spirit. We should be able to discern. Jesus said, not everybody that says, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of God. Sometimes people come in the name of God, they are, they are what? Wolves in sheep clothing. They come pretending to represent God. They come pretending to be righteous people. But they are waiting to catch us off guard and do what? To devour us. To take advantage of us. So we should be able to discern. You know, when you are full of the knowledge of God, when somebody is preaching or teaching falsehood, there is a way that your spirit is not comfortable. Even though you cannot place your hand on it, but there is a way your spirit is not comfortable. There are signs, there are signs that when you see, so we shouldn't just sincerely, you know, we are sincere Christians. Once we hear the word of God, we open our, our hearts. Please, open your heart when you hear the word of God. But sometimes do what? Close your heart first. Sometimes do what? Be careful before you open your heart. Sometimes do what? Be careful. Especially when you come, when you, when you, when you are hearing for the first time, from somebody for the first time, be careful, be watchful. I'm not saying that if you have not heard from somebody and you are hearing from the person for the first time, you should not accept the word of God. But do what? Always ask your spirit what this person is saying, what spirit is behind it. Somebody can be talking, but the spirit behind what the person is saying is not from, it's not from God. So we should have discernment of the spirit to be sure of what we are hearing. Then the next one is that we must continue in the things we have learned because we know from those that we learned them. Praise the Lord. That's what uh, Paul was hammering to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 3 from verse 10 to 15. He said, continue in the things you have learned. What was happening in 2 Corinthians chapter 11 where we read where they were warned to be where of false teachers was that they were taught by Paul and they believed and they were practicing what they were taught. Suddenly other people came and taught them and they equally want to do what? Believe. Two of them cannot work together. If you go to Galatians chapter 3, the same thing that made Paul to even call them foolish Galatians. He said you started where? You accepted the life, the life of Christ by just faith. But suddenly, people now came and taught you that you must uh, obey the law. And you are equally believing that. Say, continue in the things you have learned. My brethren, a lot of teachings are going on. People are bringing a lot of things these days. And those things are sounding good. They are sounding good. And it looks as if there is any new thing in them. But I want to tell you that they are the deceit of the devil to make us lose what God has given to us. And that's why in Revelation, it talks about he who will endure 
to the end. So even if what we have heard entails suffering, even if it entails hardship, even if our situation entails denial, it entails discomfort, Bible says we should do what? Continue. We should continue. Because we know those that we learned from. Praise the Lord. So as we summarize, God is reminding us that false prophets, false teachers have gone out among children of God. Are we equipped enough to escape their dragnet? Because they have thrown it out and they are still throwing it. And we find ourselves in different situations and circumstances. And those are what these false prophets explore. They explore our weaknesses, our weak points. When it looks as if we are vulnerable, when it looks as if we cannot help ourselves, they exploit us. They are everywhere. And they manifest at the point of our weakness. May God help us not to fall free of them in Jesus' name. As we pray, can you present yourself to God? This morning, we have been talking about those who should escape those who are masquerading themselves as angels of light. Those who have been equipped by the devil in order to truncate our race. In order to make us not to reach our destinations. But there are those who have not even started the journey. Who are still living under the clutches of the devil. Are you here this morning? And you have not even given your life to Jesus. This message might not do much for you. Except you take that decision, that bold step, to surrender your life to Jesus. And to say no to the life of ungodliness. So that you be among those that Jesus says, there are those, my sheep, who are outside. I still want to bring them in. So that you be among those that Jesus has shielded from the attacks of the enemy. And he has stood by the door. And he will not allow any intruder to get to them. Are you still outside the food? And Jesus is standing and knocking at the door of your heart this morning. Will you open and let him in? If there is anybody who wants to give his life to Jesus, I want you to repeat this prayer after me. You want to surrender your life to Jesus? You want to forsake the life of sin and unrighteousness? My Lord and my Savior, I'm a sinner. I'm not worthy to be called your child. But because you love me, you sent your son Jesus Christ and he died for my sins. Lord, I confess my sins this morning. Have mercy upon me. Forgive me my sins. 
Cleanse me from every unrighteousness. Cancel my name from the book of death. And write my name in the book of life. And give me the power to be your child. In Jesus' name we are prayed. I want us to commit ourselves into the hands of God. Because when we bring this kind of message, it looks as if it doesn't concern me. But in our time of trial, in our time of trouble, the enemy sends these people. He sends manipulators. He sends those who wants to take advantage of us. Ask that the Lord will equip you. Ask that the Lord will prepare you. Ask that the Lord will cause you to be sensitive in the spirit. So that no matter what the enemy throws at you, that you will be found standing. That's what God desires from us. We are his church. And at any point in time that he comes, he wants to find us ready, prepared for the master. Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, he said that he promised the Christians at Corinth as bride of Christ. That he wants to present them as the bride of Christ when Jesus comes. And it has not changed today. We are being prepared to be presented to Jesus as his bride without blemish, without any impurity, without any wrinkle, without any fault. Perfect. That is what God wants to see in us. Ask that the Lord will help you to be that bride that he will meet at his coming. In Jesus' name we have prayed. Father Lord, we want to appreciate you this morning once again. Thank you, Father Lord, for your word that you have brought forth. Thank you, Father Lord, for making it clear to us that the devil prepares his agents and he transforms them into angels of light to come into the church and deceive people, to overthrow people's faith, to cause people to backslide, to cause people to run with out knowing that they are running wrongly to cause people to do things that are ungodly father lord we pray that you shield us from such in jesus name all the arrows of the enemy around your church all the arrows of the enemy around your children father lord may you keep them abed in jesus name may you protect us from the arrows of the evil one that, Lord, we shall be, Father Lord, found spotless and without any fault. That, Lord, no plan of the enemy will be fulfilled upon our lives. But, Lord, we shall cause us to be descending in spirit, filled with your word, Lord. Father Lord, overcoming every form of challenge the enemy brings away. Take all the glory as you magnify your name continually in our lives. In Jesus' name we have prayed.